Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Peller, and along with Juan Montalvo and John Marchant for a post-spring game episode. I'll go ahead and uh, get it out of the way now. A little bit of an apology for the uh, break in episodes over the last month plus. We've been uh, having some reshuffling behind the scenes, so again, apologies for that. But we think those those changes will be some great content for you coming forward, and hopefully we can carry the post-spring offseason with some fun interviews and, and good content that I think will uh, – really rounded out one of those new changes as a new host here on the show with us, Max Escarpio. Max, good to have you here, man. Happy to be here. Thank you guys. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, you know, obviously a great episode to really bring you in for and, and, and going forward. So it's spring game. Max is obviously there covering the game yesterday. I think you all saw it and I won't even bother you with the scores because that, you know, Florida state didn't even bother to post the stats themselves. Looks uh, quite a bit the same. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really have anything that felt jarring outside of a, maybe maybe a couple of spots, a couple of guys here and there. But one, uh, anything really that feel like it shifted the tide for you on where this program's at or maybe where the team's headed? Well, I think Tate Rodmaker is definitely in line for 2023 and 2024 <laughs> Heismans. Um, but beyond that, no, I mean, it, it was a, a really disjointed spring game in the way that they put it together both in terms of the like format. I mean, they started with a like, special teams drill, then did the two point conversion drill, then did some more green area stuff. So it was just sort of disjointed in that sense. And then you, you'd r- rotate between the quarterbacks, like every five snaps or, or less. Um, it, uh, the only real thing that I saw that was nice was, uh, or that, you know, stood out was, was defensive line play. Uh, and part of, part of what, what, what I liked in that was, you know, you had Jared Verse, who's a transfer incoming, and he, you know, played. He's playing that outside, uh, def- the field side defensive end role, and he looks pretty good there. Derek McClendon looked pretty, really nice actually at that Fox, the boundary side defensive end. Uh, Jared Verse has a nice bull rush to him. He's probably going to have to develop a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a repertoire pass rush moves, but that's sort of expected, I suppose. Um, and the other thing I liked about it was you had pretty solid offensive tackle play in pass sets. Uh, both Robert Scott on the left side and, uh, and uh, oh, his name, Bless Harris on the on the right side. Both those guys comported themselves well. I mean, you've got, between them, Darius Washington, uh, you've got three guys there that you can count on to play outside of tackle. And that doesn't even count some of the guys that you're looking at as potential transfers. Um I don't think we're going to talk about it too much, but Darius Mims just uh, announced he's going to transfer from Georgia. It looks like Miami's the, the destination there, so that won't be in Florida State's favor, I don't think. But um, it was it was a little bit better than than I expect in that sense from the offensive tackles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, go ahead, John. Sorry, I just want to jump in there real quick. I I agree with everything that Juan said. I also want to point out I thought that overall, like it did look the same, right? It looked the same, quite the same as the team as last year. There's a little bit different. You got a lot more talent, everything that they, they brought in. I think it was, what, another 20-something transfers or whatever it was. Um, you know, I thought the receivers, the pass game is going to struggle, it looks like to me so far. Um, receivers, I thought, were excellent at blocking on the edges, uh, but the re- receiving part of it was not so great. Um, 
the running back group is deep. That's that's fun. Um, I want to echo again Juan's point about the offensive tackle play that was kind of surprisingly good. Um, and then also some of the DBs, right? You know, Sam McCall's a five-star guy, so you expect him to play really well. He'll probably play early. Uh, but overall, I thought the secondary is pretty good. I was kind of – I hated the broadcast. Um, I yeah, thought it was terrible. It was terrible the worst job. camera. Right. It was some of the worst camera work I've seen <laughs> on ESPN. I mean, and I, I've watched Cornhole on that channel. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> but I did get to see a little bit more of the secondary than I thought I, I was going to get to see. So I thought, you know, I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, but anyway, those are my main takeaways. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds yet. Well, it's something with the with the receiving core, which I think is probably maybe the the one thing you had hoped would progress uh, that I thought the broadcast did make a good point of is the defense has seen the same routes and concepts over and over again now for weeks where, you know, they could go, oh, this is clearly going to be that play and, and it helps them step in front. But I think some of the drops are still obviously very concerning. Uh, you know, Norvell talked a little bit about that after the game. And he, you know, he called it hit and miss. Uh, Max, obviously you were there. Was there anything that you felt like in terms of what Norvell said and, and the way that group kind of played that stood out to you? No, it seems like just the connection between the quarterback and the receivers weren't going well. And, I mean, I, we've seen Johnny Wilson. We've seen other players do well in spring practice. But I guess, like someone was talking earlier before, the, the bright lights of Doe Campbell, they just weren't ready for it right now. Yeah, and it seemed it, – it, it felt like a weird thing, I think, when Norvell got asked about that. His look was like – it wasn't even a full crowd, you know, it was like a really, but I, I could see that. I mean, I guess I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're looking at a crowded room and want to make a name for yourself, that's something like Jared verse also said that that's the biggest, one of the biggest crowds he's ever played in. So it's also <laughs> different for some of them. A little different than Albany. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously the defensive line, I think was one of the concerns too. When you looked at it and you were replacing a guy who, I mean, I was seeing mocks the other day that had Jermaine Johnson as a possible top 20 pick. I mean, I think that's, one of the spots you're really concerned with replacing and, and verse showed he is capable of being maybe a, in, in, I can't even say he's going to be that same type of player. You can't ask someone to come in and be what Jermaine Johnson was, but um, you know, he flashed. And if you add him alongside of McClendon and um, Norvell brought up Briggs, who, who seems to be growing as well in that same area. I mean, there's growth there. I just, I, I had the same conversation with Perry, who's, uh, you know, I'm sure maybe you know, is the site runner and, and, and our podcast producer, where I, I, my biggest concern is replacing that type of production at your D-line. And I thought they played well. I mean, you, I don't know if you can complain, but like you said, there are still areas where verse needs to grow as, as a rusher to make that much of a difference. I so mean, would you say he's versatile enough, yeah. versatile <laughs> enough yet? He needs a little more versatility for sure. I, I did think one thing that stood out too was um, it's, I guess to keep it in the receiver game was the use of, of Pittman and, and um, around the goal line. I, I saw he, he was, he took, I think one jet sweep and then they, they uh, almost read optioned or whether it was play actioned with him on another, I think just having him, even though I didn't, I felt like he didn't get the ball a ton. And again, I don't, I don't really have the stats published to see how much he got it, but the, the ability to almost tease that he exists to, to be like, Hey, he's a playmaker that someone else needs to watch out for. I think is going to be a big help. Max, have you seen a lot in spring where he's got a chance to flash that at all? Well, yesterday I was looking at it and he had uh, four receptions, somewhere close to 30 yards. So, I mean, I think he's a good, like Kevin and Adam were talking about yesterday. He's a good gadget piece that they can, work around the field 
but I don't think he's someone that, and I've seen it in practice that he can't be the receiver one and other guys start to, they need to start to step up. So, I mean, he was good yesterday, but he can't be that, that guy that we just keep going to. And John, I think we've talked about that a lot, the, the need for a one. Yeah. And they, I mean, Norvell's probably still looking for one. I, you know, you keep bringing in these, these, these transfers. You had Andrew Parchman last year, not now Micah Pittman. Um, Max is probably right that the Pittman is not going to be anything more than a two. So you kind of hope that like we talked a lot of the, on this pod over the last year um, in the previous season about how we finally saw development of some of the players on this team for the first time in a really long time since towards the end, you know, 2013, 14 of the Jimbo Fisher era. Um, you need someone that you've recruited to develop and step up. I don't know if it's going to be Kentron or somebody else, but you know, over the Willie Taggart era going into the beginning of Norvell, there's just not any talent on this team and receiver. That's why they've been so bad. You have to get somebody and develop them because these transfers, like you said, I mean, the, maybe some of them have a high floor. That's what you're hoping for. Um, you don't really know what you're going to get, but you got to develop somebody to grow into that role. And you just keep waiting for somebody to take it. And so far, I don't see that anyone has. So to me, that's a big reason why this team in the spring game looked very similar to last season because the style is going to be the same. It's going to be mostly ground-based attack, kind of like the early years of Norvell at Memphis. And you're kind of waiting on that quarterback receiver combo, right? Someone who can get rid of the ball quickly to the right player and all the other stuff. And I want to give Travis some, some credit. He looked a little bit more comfortable with the, with the ball, this, um, in the game of the few reps that I did see a little bit quicker, a lot of the back shoulder throws that they kind of found like halfway through last season. Um, so that was nice, but still you don't have that, that receiving talent. You're going to have a, a ceiling on this passing game and you're going to rely more and still be more one dimensional, which is something that hurt them last year. So, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Obviously the season, you know, we, it's only uh, April, you got a long, long wait before you get to August and then through December. So there's a lot of room for growth and a lot of time to get there, but so far, I just, you know, not seeing enough of a difference yet. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, and I think they needed – they definitely needed a floor at receiver because it felt like they didn't even have a floor last year. Um, the two balls hitting before was the problem. <laughs> the, but they need, they need someone who can at least – who could do more than just the minimum. I do think part of that and moving the ball will come with, you know, uh, Jordan Travis not wearing the black non-contact jersey. Um, you know, there were a lot of plays where, I mean, I think there were a couple of third and sevens where he made a great throw and it was a first down, but you know, a fingertip touched him as he was letting go of the ball. So he's down. Yeah. There were a couple of those, like there was one quarterback draw, um, one of the first drives that they were going, going towards the left on the camera view. But anyway, they, that he was going up the middle on a draw and you know, that was fairly touched and, and in a real, real world game, that guy doesn't make that tackle. I yeah. Mean, uh, so it's one of those things that it's like, all right, uh, you know, you don't you don't really get to see the full benefit, obviously, like you said, of Jordan Travis's legs in a in a, in a touch scrimmage, effectively for quarterbacks. It's 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 a design that's obviously going to favor, you know, the the defense significantly. And Adam Fuller's been saying that nonstop after like every practice, basically. You know, it may look like the defense is ahead, but that's just because you know the the format of practice sort of dictates that. Yeah. Um, and, and a game like this, it's the same way. Um, and like you were saying a, a minute ago that they've seen all those same routes uh, when they see the distribution of the receivers going, they know where everybody's going to go. So it's, it's really, you know, the familiarity doesn't help in that respect. And I think there's no reason to overreact too much to 
what would be definitely considered a lackluster offensive performance overall. Oh, one guy who did, uh, I, I guess, wasn't no contact was a uh, Trey Benson. Uh, obviously, another one of those transfers from Oregon who looked like he had the some explosion. He had some power. Uh, I think he was the guy who maybe on offense impressed me the most yesterday. I, I don't know if there's anyone else who really I felt like stood out that much. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple times where uh, what was it one like one of those swing passes that kind of set him up with a screen with a couple of receivers blocking. I thought he did an excellent job setting up those blocks. Right, you know, you have the the safety coming down, running down the alley, right to to make the tackle, and he kind of like hesitates a little bit and then steps it out to the outside. So he sets up that block for himself, you know, picking six, seven, he may, I think, yeah, six or seven more yards because of that. Right. So at first you're like, well, you know, what is he waiting for? You just got to go, but then you see him set it up. So that was really nice to see the guy, you know, he's quick. Um, he's got a nice little burst to him. He's fast. I, I like him. Um, you know, I know we talked a lot about Corbin was a revelation last year, uh, but I think, I think Benson's a pretty fun player. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Then um, again, Toa Feely, I know he's been up and down a little bit in his career, but hopefully he can uh, kind of put it all together. Yeah, I think the the ability to have a running back, I mean, obviously a running back, I feel like that's probably the deepest spot on the whole team. Um, but to have a guy who could flash beyond just getting you the yards that are there, and like you talked about looking and having the vision, that's obviously a huge plus with next to a guy like Travis who, Maybe you don't have to put him in as many spots to get you the yards you need him to. And maybe that helps him stay healthy a little bit too. I mean, Max is Benson. Is there anyone else in that running back group you think has stood out in the spring? Is where, where have you seen them stand at? I saw a lot from Tofili yesterday. I saw him catching. I saw him on the slot. I saw him. Did, really did he, he caught that back shoulder early in the game too? Yeah. Yeah. Which I was actually surprised from because I haven't seen that from a lot in practice, but in practice, I would probably say one of the biggest surprises for me was, CJ Campbell and what he how he's improved throughout the spring and Trayshawn Ward talked about it early in the spring that not only did he want to improve on his pass catching and improve on trying to get more yards after but he wanted to improve on his blocking which I do think has improved so he's trying to do other things that it seems like since he's been here for so long he's trying to work on other things like that which I think it's really worked and like you said that's the deepest room we have so, I mean, it, it did great yesterday, and they've been great throughout practice. Anybody have a take on uh, on A.J. Duffy and his his performance yesterday, the way he maybe looked? I know we kind of felt like Tate uh, wasn't really that guy, but, uh, you know, a, a first look at Duffy out there? Um, I hope he's ready sooner rather than later because Tate isn't that guy. I don't think Tate can even see the field. And – Look, I, Travis does look great. He's obviously healthy. I hope he stays that way all through, you know, fall camp and stuff. Because um, I, I think we kind of felt like even in the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game last year, Travis really wasn't healthy for most of the season last year. Um, so I, you just don't know. You don't know if he can say they talked a little bit about him gaining some weight and all this other stuff. You just don't know if Travis can stay healthy the whole year. He probably can't. Like even, even, Brian, to your point, if if – a lot of this running game can be efficient and take some of that load off of Travis. So he doesn't have to run as much, you know, maybe that kind of saves his body, but at, at some point somebody else is going to have to play. And I, I just hope it's not Tate. I, I don't want to be too hard on the kid. It's just, um, and Duffy's not going to be ready this year. You just have to hope he's ready next season, but it's, it's not a great situation, honestly. Um, it, it kind of sucks that Purdy decided to transfer. I wish him the best but it doesn't leave Florida State's room, in my opinion, with a lot of confidence, I guess. 
Yeah, and I think one thing is with when you look at maybe Tate and, and, and again, like on the not being too hard on him, I mean, the best asset Florida State's offense has is Jordan Travis's ability to run. So when you swap in Tate, obviously Jordan Travis's ability to run isn't on the field anymore. So then you have to hope someone catches the ball, which we've learned is not exactly a, a great thing. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that's that that that's that to Duff, from Duffy or, or, or I guess I don't even want to ask about Tate from from either one of you guys, Bon or, or Max? I mean, uh, I mean, Duffy has a rocket. He has a, a powerful arm that we've seen. I just think, just like Jordan Travis early in his career, the game needs to slow down for him. Which, I mean, I think people are just rushing it right now. It's going to take some time. Obviously, he's a freshman, so it's going to take some time. He just needs to get more comfortable. And like in practice, where He'll look up for two seconds. Someone's not open. He just puts his head down and starts running the ball, which it'll take time to get comfortable with his offensive line and with his receivers. So, I mean, I don't know if he'll be ready next year, but I do have more confidence in him than Tate, even for next year, to be honest. Well, one person who does not share your opinion is former FSU standout Greg Reed, who has called for Tate Rodemaker to get the start uh, starting quarterback over Jordan Travis. Who is this? Um, Greg Reed. You should know that name. Um, Greg Reed shouldn't but, give that take. If that's his take, he needs to not give that take. He's uh, the only, George Reed is the only thing they have. I don't even understand that. Where do you even – Greg Reed is not exactly known for good takes. Okay, well, that makes sense. Uh, he is firmly a bad take merchant. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, uh, Tate definitely isn't the guy, not to malign the kid much more, but he's – He's he's shown enough at this point throughout the I think two or three seasons uh, that he's simply not there. Uh, you know he's he's just a guy at best. And, and I think <laughs> when you look at the team as a whole, the the other problem areas I think we had coming in were linebacker. I didn't really see anything. I felt like yesterday that jumped out. Uh, was there anything, Max? Did you saw over spring that stood out? Maybe you you felt like or linebackers maybe showed some growth or, or progress. Cause I, I don't, I mean, I just didn't, I mean, obviously they ran the ball a billion times yesterday, but I felt like every run was for positive yards. I was actually pretty pleased from the linebacker play yesterday because I wasn't so scared of them stopping the run. I mean, they have Tatum Bethune out, which was hurt yesterday. So they're missing pieces there, but you have a guy like Steven Dix who had six tackles and DJ Lundy, who looks like he had two passes defended. So they played the passing game pretty well and they played it better than I thought they would. So I, I can't, I don't have much to say from them. A prime example of a kid smarter than me, John, you got anything? No, I mean, I, I don't want to say that I think this team is going to go five and seven again or not make a bowl game again. I do think they're better. They look like they're more talented. Look like there's been more development than last season, but like we kind of talked about a little bit, the, the whole format of it was, like Juan said, disjointed. It was yeah. all over the place. It wasn't a true kind of scrimmage, so to speak. So it was really hard to get a feel for it. It looks like special teams is going to be bad again, which uh, is disappointing. You know, I know they're great. Um, that first year, Norvell, then last year, they're a huge disappointment. It looks like they're so far not going to be great again. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's too early to tell, you know, they look stylistically the same as, as last season, but you can tell there's some pieces. They're a little bit new. Um, it's just not, not a final product yet. And it's, so it's hard to predict where they're going to end up by, you know, the time September, October. You maybe remember the, uh, this, when you mentioned special teams, the field goal block that should have been returned for a touchdown, like coming right over the middle, right down the middle. That was, 
Um, left a lot to be desired up the middle on that special teams. And, and to Watt's point from earlier, and you just brought it up again there on that, the, the, the format, it, it just, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to harp on it, but in terms of it's a program overall type thing, the point of the spring game is to just look good, right? I mean, that's, that's all you're really trying to do is just to look good. It's a scrimmage and you could make it look as good as you want. It just felt like if you're going to do something, make it where you look good at doing it. Like the, the special teams thing was a weird way to start, which is whatever. I don't think anyone really cared to watch it. Um, and then the two point drills, like, I think like half the throws got picked off and I was like, okay, fun. I was like, I, just do something you look good doing. I don't, I don't know. It just felt like a weird way to go about it. You could do that in practice at the closed facility where no one ever sees it. You know, I just, I don't know. Uh, it was it was very clunky. I thought it was good to have the the former players back as captains, you know, EJ and, and Danny and the group. I, I thought that was fun. Obviously, you've got to make some connections if you're going to be Norvell and, and, and hang around here. I think that buys him something at least. But um, I thought the format of it was weird. Well, let me ask this question. Do you guys think Norvell is actually on the hot seat this season? Because I, I don't think that he should be. But you keep seeing it in media over and over and over again that he is, and I think that's ridiculous. Uh, you, you'd have to see you'd have to see actual regression at this point, in my opinion, right. to even really entertain it. Just because you, you, we've talked about it endlessly on, on the podcast. Uh, transition classes destroy your roster, right. and they're still getting over that. And it's going to be a couple of years until they can really get back to you know max talent. So it's. It's short-sighted at best to, to to even you know even discuss it. Not that we shouldn't, but I mean you know the, the fact that the media and people like that are discussing it is frankly ridiculous. Although that's just what they do, I guess. Right. Well, my only concern would be where it comes from, right? I mean, if it's if if the media that's bringing it up, and I hate using the media because you know I, as a as a reporter, it makes me feel like you know I'm sure Max is probably feeling the same way. Like, come on, guys, I'm out here doing my job. I'm part of the group, but I'm not part of that group. But you know, if they're hearing things, then I feel like you need to say you're hearing things. You know, like I'm hearing that some people in the FSU program or in the boosters won't be happy if they go if they miss a bowl game again, which I think is fair, then say that. But to just be like, he's on the hot seat, he needs to perform. Like, what does that mean? Like, that doesn't, you know, I mean, that's such an arbitrary thing. If we end up at six and six, if it ends up being seven and five, I don't see, I don't see how you let him go. That's again, another step towards progress. And, and, and like we've talked about, it's progress is so minimal. It's, it's, it's slowly climbing with such a hole to dig yourself out of it. it like you said, I, a transitional class is just going to nuke it all over again. Right. Cause I think one's right. Like it looked like a six or seven win team to me uh, on Saturday. And I, I think one's that's right. what you need. You'd have right? to win. You'd have to win three, four or five games for him to get fired. If you want to say the benchmark is you have to make a bowl game. That's him on the hot seat. Um, so to speak. Okay. I guess, but you know, it is time for state makes a bowl game. If that's the, that's the benchmark this year, but I, I think firing him after the season would be a mistake, regardless of whatever the record is. You, because again, to Juan's point, like we talked about endlessly last year, you're just putting another transition class on the books, right? As soon as you're trying to cycle the, the previous ones off, it's just it's it's self defeating. So, 
I don't get that either. I just kind of wanted to bring it up because it grinds my gears. Um, it, it seems to come up in every broadcast and, and every other right. national type article. So I understand it. I mean, it's just weird he, during a spring where every play your team either looks one half your team looks good and one half your team looks bad on every play you run in every practice or spring game or scrimmage. You're playing yourself. Yeah. I mean, you're a sack. It isn't necessarily a good, a good play by the defensive end. If, if it's a poor play by the offensive line, right. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of weird just to, to take away anything hot seat related from that quote unquote game on Saturday. Um, I mean, I think, as far as the hot seat talk goes, it's premature to, to have that discussion. I really think this season, after this season, you have the discussion of if he's on the hot seat for the following year, like for the 2023 season. Right. Like that's when, if he gets to mid, midway through the season and he's only got two wins, that seat get the seat's getting warm. I mean, he's on, he's, he's in the battle, he's in the circuit, he's on deck for the hot seat, put it that way. That's fair. I mean, you know, you're a proud program that that expects a lot, but you are coming back from a lot. I mean, whatever. I feel like we're piling on the voices doing it, but I, you know, I, I just, I, I just don't. Who's see doing it. it? Just out of curiosity. I don't even remember. I just see articles here and there. I don't even click on them because it's not worth a click. I just, but I keep seeing them every every couple of weeks, I think- and it drives me nuts. Max, what do you think? I, I want to know your opinion. What do you think about Norvell and, and this coming season? I mean, I don't think it's on the hot. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I don't think he's on the hot seat at all right now. We're seeing improvement. Like I said before, improvement, it takes time. Everything here is going to take time. So I, I just, I think to be on the hot seat right now is just ridiculous. And we're all, I, in my opinion, we're going to see a six or seven or even, I mean, maybe they can be better than that, but we're going to see a seat. We're going to see improvement next season. So it's just, if it keeps going up from here, we're fine. But like he said, we're a program like Florida State University that just thinks of ourselves as the top, but we're not right now. So you need to start building and you need to start climbing from somewhere. Well, I think one thing to note is well, I, I googled Cornwall hot seat real quick. Did he build? Did he make the, a straw man? Is it a straw man? Uh, it's even worse. It's a straw-haired man named Danny Cannell. Uh, <laughs> oh, I should have known. Even, who gives even more bad takes than Greg Reed, honestly. And they made him a honorary coach. Good God! Yeah. Well, Danny yeah, was just yeah. like just making permanent. What do you mean? Ago, March thirtieth, he said he he said in an interview that uh, it was a hot seat. So <laughs> then they brought him in to do to call plays. That has to be the one that I saw, but I never clicked on it. So kids, he's a uh, he's he's he did something really good in nineteen ninety four, and that's all I have to say about him. So I don't know if these are these guys thinking that if we just hire someone else, it's we're just gonna like blow up and it's just gonna get better. Dion, apparently, apparently, <laughs> Dion, <laughs> get Brian, get out right yes, now, sir. get out. We might get Travis Hunter. I just did a visual gag of taking my headphones off for a podcast, so apologies to everyone out there. Uh, we we did talk about this a couple of times before, and and you know I feel like the spring game didn't lend itself to the. To the most topics here, I mean, I think it just kind of was what it was. Like we mentioned, you know, your it's your offense against your defense, and one side looks good while the other looks bad on every play. Um, but with it, we talked about this before, where the transfer portal allows pretty much year-round roster building. 
do you guys at this point have a position you'd like them or, or hope that they add to to continue to bolster the roster? Uh, I think last year around this time, we've talked about it a couple of times, is when they brought in a Dylan Gibbons. You know, as spring ends, kids around the country look up and say, I don't have, I don't have a spot, and they look somewhere else. Where, where do you hope they go? Receiver, receiver, receiver. Um, I mean, they, they are desperate there. I mean, I think you have to go offensive line. You need depth at that position. You need depth at every position there. So, yeah, you have to go get some offensive line pieces. I'm, uh, I'm going to go with an NIL coordinator with a bunch of money. That's what I'm <laughs> going to go with. Whoever's got the most money, hire that person and just let him hand out money. That's, that's the position they need to get. Because, because I mean, again, we're we're talking about championships. Uh, what is this, twenty twenty two? So by the end of the decade, hopefully around twenty twenty six, seven, eight, maybe you're hopefully playing for championships. But you have to have the talent to get there. And and yeah, I know what was it, the first or second best class in the ACC they just brought in, or something like that. But you, uh, I honestly don't know because I don't follow recruiting that well. But you you need to be top three, top four, top five in the country right now. They're not close to that, so. Um, but that's where they want to be. That's where they want to go. That's that's where we should all want them to go. So it's a long way to get there. But that, that's the position I'm being ridiculous that I think that they should they should go for. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up. I, you know, I, I am I am with Max on this one. I do think they've brought in enough oh God. enough at receiver. I don't think that anyone seems to have worked. They've brought in a bunch. I, I don't I mean, look, if someone's great out there, go get him. Um, but I, I think if I've learned anything in college football, you just can't have enough offensive linemen. Uh, someone's going to roll yeah. an ankle. Someone's going to twist an ankle and then boom, there goes everything. Um, especially when you your quarterback is so important like Jordan is, and he's, his legs are so important. You know, it's not like, well, he, he can twist an ankle and, and just keep doing what he's doing. He's got to be able to move around. He's got to be able to run. You've got to protect him. But on John, your point of the NAL guy, man, we've, <laughs> a couple of the episodes we tried to bring in the last couple of weeks that just ended up falling <laughs> through were an NIL lawyer to just explain to us what's going on with the laws. Basically, it, you know, at my unprofessional, what happened take is it's not even a take. It's a fact, but the state legislature in Florida did nothing this session. So the law is still the law. So good luck in keeping up with the rest of the country when you have laws and they don't. And, you know, we tried to bring on, uh, boosters and, and the AD to just be like, Hey, where the hell are you going to get some money? Because, you know, quite frankly, you kind of need it. Um, and so we're still working on, on making schedules work on that one, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's where they've got to make up ground. And I, and it seems pretty clear that's where they're falling behind. Right. That's it. It's, it's, it, the game has changed. It's all about NIL now. That's what kids care about. Rightfully so. And, uh, that law does not help Florida schools. So uh, no. we'll see how they manage that. Uh, and and I did too. Yeah. I laughed earlier at a tweet I saw from Josh Newberg from, was it 247 sports? Right. And uh, it was, it was a uh, kid transferring. I think it was one from Georgia and it was like, you know, it's, it's expected to come down to Florida state and Miami. And I expect, and we expect NIL to play a big role. And I was like, duh. Yeah. Like, yeah, duh. Like, I, I mean, yeah. NIL. And NIL, you know, bro Bible and all that stuff. Jimbo Fisher voice. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, that's played a major role for 40 years. Like, I mean, I don't, whatever. I don't want to, you know, they do a great work. Yeah. I don't mean to be, but I just saw it and I was like, duh. 
Like, yeah, yeah, Miami's got a guy who claims to be a billionaire handing out giant checks. No wonder they're the favorite, right? I mean, and Florida State, I don't, I mean, we just don't, it seems like every every program has like the bag man and we're still looking for the Florida State bag man. And if yeah. you're listening to this and you want to be the bag man, just hit us reach up out to us nation.com and we'll, we'll reach you to the right people. We will connect you. We're also looking for sponsors, all those things. We're more than happy to take it on. You can reach out to us. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, like I said, I th- we'll go ahead and wrap it up here and, and not waste too much of the time. But we, like I said, we are reshuffling a little bit and, and kind of renegotiating where we, how, how we funnel content out to you. We hope to be more regularly scheduled programming. I'm, I'm thinking uh, hopefully we'll come to a certain day and we're going to try and get all on the same page here at Tomahawk Nation. So we kind of expect that to start hopefully next week or, or, or maybe in the early May, but we can uh, start filling this off season gap for you, get you ready for football season and, and fall camp coming up in August and lead you into the season opener, which I will not refer to as the Duquesne game. I will only refer to it as the LSU <laughs> game because Duquesne will not be the season opener. I don't care how many guys, times you guys replied in the comments of my articles. It will not be the season opener. <laughs> not tell me you're going to start on national TV on a Sunday on Labor Day weekend. I guess the, power five team that's won three titles since 2000 and be like, no, Duquesne's the opener. Uh, Duquesne. They don't, I, I didn't know they had a football team. So one and oh, baby. That's one and <laughs> One step closer to the six and six that gets Norvell off the hot seat in Danny Cannell's eyes. Yeah. I was so afraid you had a, you had a straw man there. I'm glad it ended up being Cannell who was somehow an honorary captain. It's honestly hilarious. Yeah. It, it worked out. It worked out even better than expected. So uh, I appreciate you guys hanging around with us and, and, and jumping back on here. Like I said, uh, I apologize for the gap, and I think we could get a little more uh, frequent here with you and hopefully find some fun stuff to fill an off season. and hopefully the team lends itself to some news as well. Um, but in the meantime, I'm Brian for John, Juan, and Max. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.